I want women to see the unique characteristics that are instilled in them, their superpowers that I say, and let them see those superpowers as game-changing and the superpowers that will take them down the path of taking a calculated risk to elevate and expand and reinvent their professional lives. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help consultants, coaches, entrepreneurs, and small business owners build their businesses after long careers as employees. We believe you should be able to do more of what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. Today on Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with Gail Keller. In today's episode, you will learn how to overcome adversity, fear, and self-doubt, especially if you're a woman. Stay with us to hear all the details. How do you feel about where your business is today? Most of us do our best work in collaborative, supportive environments. Come explore ours. The Smashing the Plateau community can help you build your business through engaging discussions, live events, a private communication platform, accountability partners, and lots more. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Gail Keller. Gail is a former Microsoft sales executive who spent the last 20 plus years in tech and felt called to smash the plateau by contributing to close the gender gap in the STEAM fields after seeing firsthand the gender biases that still exist in the workplace, coupled with the births of her two toddler daughters. Gail empowers women and girls in STEAM to take calculated risks and follow their dreams through her five-pillar methodology, highlighted in her international best-selling book, Full Steam Ahead, Triumphant Tales for Working Women to Overcome Adversity, Fear, and Self-Doubt. Gail, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here, David. Nice to see you again. I'm sure there's a lot to unpack in your story about being a former Microsoft sales executive who has now gone out and you're, you're doing your own thing. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the details of your career and what caused you to go solo. Well, first of all, I love tech. I love the passion, the innovation, the agility behind it, the people. And so I've stayed in that industry for 20 years. And when I had our second daughter, I pressed pause on my corporate career, not because I didn't love it. I loved the company, the industry, what I was doing, but I was feeling called to do something else. Now being a mom with two young girls, the path to parity, we were supposed to already achieve it in 2022. And if we stay at this rate, it's going to take, I think the latest statistic is 132 years to get to parity. And I said to myself, I can't close the gap, but I can sure help pave the way and make the gap a little bit smaller for my girls in this season of life. So I'm a corporate refugee for now, but I didn't escape corporate. I say I pressed pause on my corporate career and to empower women and girls in STEAM. The A stands for arts. All the statistics and the research you can find is around STEM, but I call it STEAM because I was an A, the arts that went into T. And I think you and I talked in a prior conversation that you were a T that went into A. And so, you know, if we can do it, others can too. And you don't have to know how to code. That's a great bonus, right? To be in tech, but you know, you need people in accounting, right? To send the bills out, 
accounts receivable to pay, you know, to, to take the checks and, and make sure the, the balance sheet's in balance. You need sales and marketing, finance, et cetera. And so, you know, it, it goes just beyond fixing a broken computer. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. Yeah. It makes the world a better place. Gail, what kinds of roles did you have in, in your corporate career? Sales and marketing is where I, where I thrived and what I fell in love with. I started in advertising and I had some tech accounts and that's where I moved to San Francisco, fell in love with the area and the industry and got into sales and marketing. And are you thinking about going back into corporate at some point? I never rule it out. That's why I say I pressed pause on my corporate career. So I was a journalism major undergrad graduate school at Northwestern in integrated marketing communications because I wanted to get that marketing emphasis in sales and strengthen my muscle in communications. So I'm strengthening my journalism degree now in this new season of life. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing now. So I'm taking the pause, like I said, and I'm empowering women to reinvent their professional lives. And that could mean, David, staying at the company or leaving the company altogether for other opportunity. So I work one-on-one with women and group cohorts all around, let's find the career that tugs at your heartstrings. Let's follow your dreams. If you want to take that leap, how can we build that confidence and courage? And that's two of my pillars in my five-pillar methodology to calculated risk-taking. So I take a, a really, I challenge the women to take a whole, a very holistic look at where they are today and where they want to be in five, 10 years. Are they feeling fulfilled? What's missing? What do they like? What don't they like? So those sort of things. And it might seem like soft skills and well, yes, they are soft skills because that's missing today in corporate. What's the first thing when a recession hits? You know, budgets seem to be tightened, marketing and training. And there needs to be more soft skills training for everyone, regardless of gender. But compared to men, women don't take risks. If we do, we mull them over too long and the opportunity may pass us by and we have regret. So how can we think more like a man? So I challenge women, right? Don't bring the drama to the workplace. Yes, we're good multitaskers, but sometimes we have to compartmentalize like men do. And you guys do it so well. So we can learn a lot, especially around the word allyship and having allies. It's not just having men and women support each other, which is important, but it's women and women supporting each other. And because there's only so many seats at the table and women are the underdog, if you look at STEM, I think 29% of women make up all of STEM. Look at tech. It looks like 28% today are women that work at large tech companies. And those large tech companies are comprised of Amazon, Facebook, Microsoft, Meta, Apple, and Google. That's only 28%. And we're in 2023. So that gives me a lot of passion right there. And then I want to have a prequel book to this book that I have and write a couple of books for girls in Steam. And I have a toy line that's going to come out next year for girls in Steam. Yeah, tell me a story about risk. It's scary. A personal one? Yeah, it could be personal. Or it could be somebody you've worked with. Sure, so you might want to edit out the scary part. So in a, a story about myself and risk is when I built my five pillar methodology, David, it was something that I had in me all along in the five steps that I always took to taking a calculated risk because risks can be scary. They can be daunting. What if we fail? How's that going to make us feel? What are other people going to think of us? And I was always courageous and I still am today. And so 
my biggest risk, well, one of my biggest risks was leaving corporate, leaving a company I loved, a job I love, buying stock at a discount, you know, having a salary, having that income and going into the abyss of the unknown. Can I be a one woman band? Can I make it work? What if I, what if it doesn't work? Then what? And I told myself it's just this season of life and take everything in, in bits and pieces and chunks. And if it doesn't work out, and P.S., it fully hasn't worked out the way I thought it would, it's been better. Because more avenues, when I looked at the spokes on my wheel of how my engine of my company was going to operate, where do I need to be every day? Where can I start thinking about passive revenue streams? And I know that's really important to the work you do with your community, David. Where are those passive revenue streams where we don't have to work harder, we just have to work smarter? And that doesn't mean I don't like to work. It doesn't mean I don't like to put the work in. But I have to have more balance and fulfillment as a working mom with two young girls, being passionate about being a mom, being a good mom, raising good, kind, confident, courageous girls, as well as, you know, contributing to the family and following my passions as a working mom. So Gail, what have you learned about risk as you've gone through this transition yourself? I've learned that it takes perseverance and it takes time to take that risk. And what do I mean by that? We see everybody jumping off that diving board into a belly flop or a beautiful dive. We see people climbing the mountain when they're at the top of their peak, right? Their success, the awards they win. We never see the two steps backwards when you take one step forward. So you take one step forward, two steps back. We never talk about the two steps back. We never talk about failure. And in order to be a better risk taker, you have to talk about loss. You have to talk about failure because it makes you more authentic to the people that you're talking to, working with, being surrounded by. It makes you a better contributor because you're bringing real life situations that are relatable to others because we all fail. But if we're failing forward, I love to use that phrase, failing forward, we're going places. We're taking things one increment at a time, one step at a time. And even if we have to go two steps back, what do we learn? from that loss, that failure? How are we going to pivot? How are we going to be better the next time and persevere and keep climbing and not give up? So let's talk a little bit more about your story. What are the two steps back that you experienced? When I was pregnant with my second and climbing the corporate ladder and turning things down because I didn't know what I wanted and I didn't want to let other people down. And someone said to me, well, you're going to go on a maternity leave. So what? Take the job. I'll find somebody to backfill while you're gone and we'll carry on. I thought, well, I'm only going to have two months in roll and then be out for seven. Aye, aye, aye. And I didn't want to do that to this person's team. Now, should I have been more selfish? Perhaps, perhaps, because that, those opportunities don't come along every day. And I stopped climbing the ladder. I pushed pause on it. And so I may have to do a little catch up if I go back. Maybe I won't, Right. There's that no risk, no reward. But that was a really hard decision. And I listened to what was tugging at my heartstrings. In Pocketbook too, what could I make work and, and not work? Because money is important. It's not everything, but we, we do need it to survive, right? And so that was probably, you know, one of the biggest. And then, you know, do I get married someday? Do I have a family? Well, I wanted that, but I didn't know who it was going to be with. And you know, I wore blue to my baby shower of our birth of our first daughter. I was confident we were having a boy. And God always has the last laugh and we have two girls. And so 
what was tugging at my heartstrings was, oof, raising girls is hard. Being a girl is hard, especially in STEM, what I call STEAM. So what can I do to contribute and sort of lessen that fear, lessen all the anxiety that comes with risk and bring more courage and confidence, clarity, decisiveness, and balance in my five pillars into those considerations from a very young age. Because somewhere, girls, I look at my toddlers, they're so confident. It's amazing. It's inspiring. But we kind of dim that confidence as women as we grow and we get into the corporate world. And so that's why I'm so passionate about bridging that confidence gap. Because when you feel confident, anything is possible. Uh, So tell me a little bit about how you help girls and women move forward with courage and confidence and take those risks and achieve parity. So I mentioned that I coach women, I coach group cohorts, I keynote speak at conferences and companies around this very topic. I also have an online course. And so in the book that I wrote as well, and I give tangible tools because how often do we hear a speaker and we feel so inspired and motivated and we leave there and we think, huh, how can I do that? How can I be like that person? I don't know how, I don't know where to begin. And so giving tangible tools that people can implement immediately is such, is so helpful. It's such a great thing. And I believe that that's missing. That's what I was missing when I would take qualified training at corporations that I worked at, right? Go to conferences and hear great speakers, but go, huh, how can I be like that? How can I give that a try? I wouldn't know where to begin. And then guess what happens? Nothing. I go, yeah, he, she was great. They're so inspiring, but I don't know how to do it. So I don't, and I didn't. So the more tangible tools that we can share with one another, again, brings that authenticity and experience and and pays it forward. And so how do I help girls? The women at the only so many seats at the table need to be better mentors and sponsors to the qualified women at corporate behind them and help them climb the ranks. And then the women also need to be better mentors to girls at the university level, at the young level, when their passion is in STEAM and help them along. Because if we see it, we can become it. And right now we can't see it. So we don't become it. And what do I mean by that? We're still dealing with women studying at universities that drop out of STEM because of unconscious bias, lack of girls in the classroom. Then you fast forward to when they get their jobs and corporate in the workplace, I should say, they drop out, they leave the company, they leave the industry altogether because there's not enough women role models. And they're there, but we need more of them. And I think giving back the women at the, who have the seats is very important, as well as that confidence when they're studying, when they're playing, they get their jobs. Yeah, what are some of the tangible tools? Well, community comes to mind. And you and I have had a conversation where you're on my podcast talking about how the importance of community, the importance of networking. And so having great mentors is huge. And just asking, hey, David, can we meet for a cup of coffee? Coffee's on me. Would love to pick your brain about X, Y, and Z. But then give you something in return out of that conversation, right? And something will come of it. That's all about the power of networking. And that's what I love. It's puzzle pieces fitting together and you don't know what's going to come of it. You know, you might have an agenda in mind, but it goes maybe three ways versus that one way. And, or maybe that person introduces you to somebody else or something else. It's important to have sponsors, people that have climbed the ranks, that are in your trusted circle, that can speak positively behind you closed doors. 
So a sponsor is someone that works at the company, the organization you're a part of, that can help with your personal brand and shining a positive light on it to climb the ladder. I think also, you know, not sharing your story with with everyone because not everyone is is trusted. So it's people that you trust and they trust you. It's a two-way street. Right. So I'm hearing a lot about relationships. Yes. Particularly with other women. Yes. Got it. I'd love to go a little bit deeper with the community piece. Can you tell me a little bit about your experiences being a community member or community leader that have been powerful and have had huge impact for you? One goes back to college and I wasn't in a sorority, but there was something called the the Student Foundation and I was the vice president of it. And there was 25 members, co-ed members. And at the time it raised money for working student scholarships. Now it raises money for students who can't afford to eat. So the food pantry, the local food pantry, which is pretty amazing. There's some staggering statistics around how kids are paying their way through college, but they don't have the money to eat. And nobody ever really thinks about that. And so that's what this organization does today. But it's, you know, it's been 50 years strong, 50 years plus. And it's a way to give back. So it got me involved, David, not only in relationships and networking, but philanthropic work. And I had a seat at the table and I was making business decisions when I was 21, 22 years old in college. I was giving you know, speeches in front of the board of directors, my peers. I think uh, 5,000 people was my largest undergrad speech that I got to give. And so it was fun. It was invigorating, but it taught me this business savviness of yes, the power of, of relationships, but also how to run an organization, how to run a business. We had to let someone go and appear. And so it was really, really hard. And we said, do we have everybody vote? Or do we just keep it leadership and, you know, the executives at the foundation and we chose the latter and there was a lot of backlash. So my peers were pretty upset that they didn't get a vote. They didn't get a say. Was this a volunteer who was let go or a paid professional? Volunteer. Volunteer. And so it taught me that sometimes you have to make hard decisions and people aren't going to like you for it. That brings me to my next comment. You know, when we think about women in general, we're always told to be likable, right? You always been to be likable. It's not about being likable because not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone's going to want to sit at your lunch table in the lunchroom, whether it be at school or, or in the workplace. But you have to be respected and respectable. So as long as you're respected, you earn people's respect and you respect others, it's the power of building a good relationship, the power of building trust. Right. This is also what happens when you stand for something. If you stand for something, then you're going to alienate some people right. who don't agree with you. Um, and if you don't alienate some people, you probably don't stand for anything. Right, right. And not that I want to get into politics, but that's where politics has kind of kind of gone awry, right? We're all entitled to our own opinions, but respectfully. Yes, absolutely. Respectfully. Tell me a little bit about this speech before 5,000 people, because that's, that's pretty unusual for a student. So that was fun. So it was a little 500. World's greatest college weekend is what it's coined. It's after the Indianapolis 500, but it was a, it's a bicycle race. It's a men's race and a women's race. And they do laps around a cinder track. So when they fall, they get cinders in their knees. It's crazy. And they train years and years. Yes. And no, I did not. I'm not that coordinated to ride, you know, not even inches, but like centimeters away from each other on these, on these bicycles. But I was the vice president that helped with the philanthropic efforts of putting it on. And so I got to give a speech at race day 
And that was pretty fun outdoors and they have a beautiful ceremony where they, where they sing some beautiful songs that are hailing to the university, to the state. But then these planes fly overhead and people parachute out and they land in the middle of the field. Oh my God. And it's just breathtaking. And I, I mean, I've been going for 22 years, 21 years and I cry every time. It's just so moving and there's nothing else like it. Do you remember what you said? I don't. It was inspiring, of course. I didn't give any tangible proof. <laughs> inspiring. And I'm, I'm sure you were very inspired by the opportunity. Draws me back. And I serve on a board ever since I graduated. So keeps me youthful too. Yeah. Before we close out, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to discuss? Why did I write this book? And so what I would say is that my wish is for this book to be a guiding voice to women who struggle with indecision. Myself included, because I, I still struggle with it from time to time. And so I want women to see the unique characteristics that are instilled in them, their superpowers that I say, and let them see those superpowers as game-changing and the superpowers that will take them down the path of taking a calculated risk to elevate and expand and reinvent their professional lives. That's wonderful. Gail, if somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed today, um, access any resources you have or get in touch with you, where would be the best place for them to go? I invite them to my website at gailkeller.org. G-A-Y-L-E-K-E-L-L-E-R.org. Okay, and of course, we'll put this in the show notes as well. Gail, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and share your insights, a little bit about, about your own story and the mission that you're on, which is just remarkable. My guest today has been Gail Keller. Thank you, Gail, for joining us. Thank you, David, and keep up your great work. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. On today's episode with Gail Keller, we learned how to overcome adversity, fear, and self-doubt. How do you feel about where your business is today? Most of us do our best work in collaborative, supportive environments. Come explore ours. The Smashing the Plateau community can help you build your business through engaging discussions, live events, a private communication platform, accountability partners, and lots more. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. I'm David Schreiner-Khan. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.